Welcome to the latest episode of the Indowencers podcast. On today's episode, we have an incredibly fascinating musician who has made a name for herself as a singer, arranger, and now composer as well. Her professional musical journey started off as a playback singer, singing regularly for the legendary Vidyasa Gasar, among other composers from her mid-teens. Since then, while her playback repertoire has grown to include collaborations with the likes of Eya Rahman and Santosh Narayanan, she has also become a prominent arranger, given her involvement in countless high-profile films, as well as iconic independent projects like Harmonize Project, Purva, and Pan. Most recently, she has formed the Indian Choral Ensemble, consisting of 40 Indian singers, and they are in the process of releasing their first EP as we speak. To talk about her illustrious career thus far, it is my honor to be sitting down with the incredible singer, arranger, and composer, Kalyani Ned. Thank, thank you, Nishad. I mean, the intro was like, okay, I was like, okay, have I done so much? Is, is it worth talking? <laughs> but yeah, thank you for that generous intro. <laughs> I mean, that is everything you've done. And in the process of researching for, for this episode, I actually found it really fascinating because a lot of different things that I thought were by different people were actually okay. by the same person. Okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> but yeah, um, Let's get straight into things. And what I like to do on this podcast is start from from day one and really kind of trace the steps that you've taken along your musical journey to to figure out how you've gotten to where you are today and what shapes who you are uh, today. And for you, music was kind of in you from day one, quite literally, because uh, as I understand it, your father's favorite ragam was Kalyani. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, actually, yes. <laughs> and henceforth, so, the name Kalyani for yes. you as well. So given that music was attached to you almost by force from, from day one, can you just talk about um, how much music kind of played a role in your early years and how much music yes. was kind of flowing around the family? Yes. So it's like, I uh, although I don't come from a musical family, I think I come from a family of people who love music. They're all ardent listeners of music. So I think music has always been a part of my life. In fact, my father wanted to become a singer in, in his you know youth days, like when he was making a career decision. He had actually even, uh, he was qualified as an AIR. Uh, those days, they used to have this light music auditioning, you know, in the AR. Uh, so that is in Trivandrum in Kerala. And uh, he got through that and he was kind of recording very often uh, at AIR. And that is when uh, he also, uh, you know, I mean, you know, those days they won't send, uh, especially men, you know, they'll still encourage women, but, you know, to men, men to take up uh, jobs like art and, you know, going into music was like complete uh, no. And my grandfather said, no, no, I've paid uh, so much money for engineering. Please finish your engineering and go, go get a normal job, you know, nothing doing. So, yeah, I mean, as long as he was in Kerala, uh, along with his studies, he was continuing uh, to sing at the AIR and he was learning music. But soon after engineering, he got into the, uh, the officer's training academy and uh, then it was the Indian Army for him. So then, uh, you know, the only way for him to pursue his music uh, was by, you know, singing at the army functions. Actually, for me also, I think it started off like that. Because, uh, you know, in the army, it's it's a very nice organization where the family is also very, very closely related to the organization. So, and that to my father, luckily, he didn't have too many field postings. So most of the time, we could go and stay with him wherever he was posted. 
So uh, most of the times, you know, for all these army functions that we go to, there was always like entertainment was always a big part. And uh, I think right from when I was probably, I don't know, some three or two years old, I remember kind of, you know, I mean, I've heard my parents saying that, you know, I used to sing back then. So I think it all started like that. And music was always a part of my life because my father always played a lot of, and that he was very fond of uh, Rafi, Rafi Saab's music. So a lot of vintage Hindi. And then, uh, of course, because I was mostly uh, in the North, I studied, I finished my schooling mostly in the North. So a lot of Hindustani influence, although I didn't learn uh, formally, but uh, the music teachers in my school, all of them taught me little, little, you know, Samtarana, Bandesh, like that. So I was kind of exposed to a lot of Hindustani, Ghazal and devotional, that kind of, a lot of Indian music, actually, you know, uh, in my early years. And uh, after, I think it was uh, in my 10th standard, soon after my board exam, our usual holiday summer breaks that we go to visit our grandparents uh, at Kerala, my uh, uncle, uh, who, uh, you know, he had a very close friend at a Malayalam channel back then called Kairali. And uh, it was just a very casual meeting and he asked me to sing and I sang and he liked liked my voice. (laughs) And uh, he was conceiving the idea of a musical show that time. So he said, I want to feature you. So it all started like that. And at that time, I had no interest of, you know, taking this professionally. I was a lot more actually into getting into the army or, you know, you know, that kind of a thing. You know, it was like, you know, my my dreams kept changing. I, I couldn't make up my mind what I wanted to do. But army was like a big part of my uh, this thing. You know, I think if not for music, probably I would have joined the army or I don't know. <laughs> so that happened. And that kind of changed the course of my life because... Till then, I had not sung anywhere publicly and things like that, you know. Mm. Uh, actually, mm. that year, uh, Sarigama happened for me in 10th. Mm. I, I went as a contestant in Sarigama Pa, which was hosted by Shan. And uh, soon after that is when this happened. So, you know, series of things uh, related to music happened. And, you know, I, I was happy to receive accolades from people. <laughs> yeah, so I think one thing led to the other, you know. And suddenly, I got a call from Vidya Sagar sir's office saying that they wanted a demo of mine. And uh, I just very casually, you know, I didn't even go to the studio because we didn't have access to studio. And we were we were like very far off from that, you know, the studio business, music mm. industry kind of a thing. So we really didn't know who to go and contact and all that. So I just got a like a normal mic at home. And then I recorded on that tape recorder, no, that cassette tape recorder. I just recorded on that with a Shruti box and I sent my demo. And they liked it. <laughs> so, so this happened actually through um, P. Unikrishnan, sir. We are kind of uh, very distantly uh, through a family uh, relative. We know him. So he suggested my name to Vidya Sagar, sir. Yeah. And that's how they called me. And they liked my demo. And from then it was like uh, he called me actually to sing uh, in Parthiban Kanava first. That mm. was the first movie that I sang. That was way back in 2003. <laughs> I was I was in my 11th stand at that time. Yeah, so I was actually called to sing a song uh, called uh, Alanguil, uh, which was sung by Harini Akka. Yeah, I was I was actually called to sing that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I was called to sing the song Alanguil, and uh, like I said, I was not very serious about music, and also because of the kind of uh, postings that my father had, I was I couldn't go to a regular guru to. Right you know learn music so everything was by year for me it was a very informal kind of a system 
and uh, that particular song was very very technically demanding yeah. he thought listening to my demo i could sing it but you know you just have to go to the studio learn the song and in 2 3 hours you need to deliver it you don't get mm. the kind of time to go home and practice and then deliver you know that's how music industry functions and i was quite new to all that and it was very overwhelming and uh, he said he also understood that you know i mm. couldn't pull it off so then he said but he said he really liked my voice and would like to try me for another song and that's how bak bak madapura happened ah. and that was my first uh, debut song yeah <laughs> after that yes one after the other i think uh, i had a lot of uh, releases with him in malayalam Uh, mostly tamil yes but malayalam one of my biggest hits of all times was uh, called dingiri patalam uh, mamuthi's movie yeah that did very well but yeah even then uh, i think uh, most of the people don't even know i sang that song because you know usually once you have a hit you kind of go on tours and you perform that song but in my family both my parents or you know we didn't have those kind of musical connections mm. and also we were not particularly keen also because i was totally into academics you know at that time so and that was my 11th 12th kind of right. uh, you know, that juncture so <laughs> we never really uh, went for i never did any like music shows and things like that even mm. though that was a big hit so i think many people don't even know that i'm the voice behind that song <laughs> So yeah so after 12th then again it was like a you know deciding thing for me i had to make a decision whether where to study so i actually wanted to go to delhi to study because then by then you know i kind of got interested in economics <laughs> so i i thought i wanted to go to delhi and study economics and do something like that but yeah my parents were like um, first of all uh, you know they were a little scared to send me so far off mm. and also they were kind of they wanted me to try my hand at music especially you know my mother's mother was quite emotional she said no you know you're already getting opportunities why don't you explore that right. chennai yeah in chennai you can balance both academics and uh, music so then i was like okay very half heartedly i came here actually <laughs> i came to chennai very half heartedly but yeah i i think one after the other when things started happening and i i joined agustin paul sir uh, for western classical so actually formally speaking although i I've, i've been exposed to a lot of indian music i think my formal training if you ask me was in western so i did western uh, piano theory and uh, voice and i think that kind of changed my life as in i knew after a point that okay this is what i want to do right. <laughs> that that was the time that i really kind of uh, i was kind of mesmerized by the harmony and the chords and you know the i i joined the choir there his choir mm. which uh, mma madras right. musical association and i was just blown by all that so one side recordings and all that happened for me playback just kept coming i used to sing a lot of jingles yeah. and on the other side uh, like you know music education in the formal sense also happened and i knew this was my calling so then after that there was no looking back and then my parents got little scared because nobody in my family has taken up musician as music right. as a profession so then you know with that comes a lot of doubts how will you make money how will you you know those kind of questions <laughs> but yeah i think my parents have been very very supportive Uh, so it just it just happened uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean you've given us so much um in terms of describing your background um i just want to go back a little bit and take it uh, step by step because there's so many interesting things that you said in there that i want to 
dig a bit、uh, deeper into. One、yeah. thing that you mentioned, and that I'm aware of this, because of your dad's profession being part of the military, you were living in different places、uh, around、yes. India. And one other previous guest that I've had on had a similar experience, not because of military, but just in terms of living in different places. Vijay Narain, the, the singer, was talking about how he was. Living in different places around India and how each city gave him different kinds of exposures、yes. to different types of music. H- how different was the exposure you got in each respective city that you were in? Yes, I think、uh, culturally, you know, the kind of richness that you experience at different places is huge, and I think it plays、uh, like you know. I mean, my, my father was posted in like north, in、uh, in the east, like far east as Assam or Natal Pradesh. So you know the kind of flavors of music that you listen to, I think, had a lot of impact. So I think fortunate, I've been fortunate that I think my openness to music also comes from the fact that I have、uh, grown up in different parts of the country. Interesting. So I think, yeah. So I think、um, even now I don't like to box my music into one because it's very difficult for me to do that, you know. I, and I don't come from a very rigid kind of a schooling musical school also. You know, so like I said, although I I had started learning、um, Western music formally, that was my first formal、uh, music education、uh, system. But before that, I was already exposed to a whole lot of music. You know, <laughs> so I think、uh, I didn't have any conditioning. Everything was like, you know, I I looked at it in a in a very fresh way, and I think probably my influences or on what I compose is like a mix of all these things. You know. Uh, from my childhood, maybe, <laughs> yeah. Interesting, because that actually connects to something else I wanted to ask you about.、Um, yeah, and that is, I think maybe looking at your repertoire from the outside, I and maybe other other listeners or fans maybe put you into into a certain box mistakenly. You you tend to sing a lot of these melodies and softer songs.、Right. And then I I go on YouTube and hear you singing a、uh, Whitney Houston and、uh, yes, Deep yes, Purple, yes. And, <laughs>、yeah. and then I I find out that you know your brother with his band experience yes, kind yes. of got you into、yes. that kind of music. Yes. So do you think there's a connection between your childhood in terms of ex- exploring different forms of music in India, and then later on in life being open to even like rock and then、Absolutely. Western classical, yeah. Absolutely, I think the kind of people I have, you know, I have had the opportunity to interact with come from extremely diverse backgrounds. So I think that somehow,、uh, and also I think it's it's the kind of lifestyle in the army that we are. See, when you're away from your immediate family members and all you have is like you know the fellow people in your organization, you kind of have a very special bond. We don't you don't think of the different language that they speak. Or we don't think of the different culture that they come from because all you have is them, you know. So that's like a very strong bond, and you kind of become very accepting and open to a lot of things. And I think that is the main reason why I I, I get very excited when I meet people from different regions, you know, <laughs> because and I connect very well because I have had some kind of an experience of what they speak about. I can relate because I've kind of been in those places. And you know how I know the kind of lifestyle they have there, so it's very very easy for me to connect with people. So I think that is one advantage that I've had. In fact, I feel that way even Chennai. You know, 
uh, a lot of people especially from the north kind of have a reservation to come to chennai you know but i feel because of being in the army i'm very open to living anywhere or and i know i can i can adapt very quickly because we're so used to moving every two years you know and you don't have any option but to gel with the people there every time it's like new people new faces and uh, i think it, it it's it's made me very open you know and i think that happens in my mindset uh, you know as a human being and also at that reflects in my music also i feel yes <laughs> yeah absolutely i think later on i want to talk more about like harmonized project because there you're doing yes. swahili songs and then bossa nova yeah. and then classical <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but i also want to dig a bit deeper into your time learning with mr augustin paul because i think that as you said it gave you clarity on kind of yes. what you wanted to do in terms of music in your life and i guess to start off with what sort of things were you doing in that class because western classical is a big umbrella um so so what sort of theory were you studying and what sort of repertoire were you going through yeah so i was doing i actually went to him first for uh, western classical piano because while i was in sikandrabad i finished my schooling 11th and 12th from sikandrabad army school i had started learning piano there like very basics and then when i came to chennai i wanted to continue that and that's how i went to agustin paul and i had no idea about i was very novice to the whole thing you know i didn't even know what it is i mean of course i had heard like a little bit of mozart and beethoven and all that but i really didn't know what all comes under the bracket of western classical and when i went to class i discovered one you know you know okay there's theory to music okay what is that because i saw a group of people sitting on the table and i was i was in general like when you're exposed to something new and that too very late you have like this curiosity you know okay what is this what are they doing why what 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 does that have you know so i was very inquisitive about everything in the class you know because there were a lot of things that were happening there so in pro music uh, while i was doing piano there were a couple of uh, two three eight rooms there so you know there'll be some other instrument class happening there and there'll be another bunch of students doing theory on another table so it was all very uh, you know exciting for me to see what you know how so many different things people are doing and i used to question everything i'll be like i want to do that i want to do that so i was just this very excited kid team kid who wanted to try out everything so very soon i joined the theory class and i absolutely loved theory because it had arranging you know mm. uh, so we do a lot of small small arranging you know right initially you start with like there is a melody you need to write a bass line or there is a bass line you need to create a melody and then you kind of write the four part harmony and you know because i w- i used to sing i used to actually sing out everything and at home you know i that's the time i kind of uh, set up new undo i used to work on new undo this daw software <laughs> and uh, i got this computer mic you know so i used to, whatever i used to write i used to just try and i used to just love listening to harmony so i used to just uh, my voice i used to just uh, do multi track recordings of uh, of my voice or whatever i i used to write so you know it was all very exciting for me so i think my love for arranging kind of started from there and of course joining the choir you know uh, i think it's a very surreal experience for me when i go to a choir when you're standing in the middle and all around you there are people singing different harmonies and it's it's very it's a very meditative process for me <laughs> yeah i also got a lot of comments from different people as in uh, when i was showing a lot of interest in choir music by then i was already kind of established in the playback line 
and there were many people who told me different things you know they'll be like uh, no choral singing is singing is completely a different style it'll mess with your playback singing it'll reflect you know you may it may not you may not be called for playback kind of songs you know and uh, and also <clears throat> the fact that you know back then there is still a, there was still a, a hesitation of singing what they call the regular chorus because mm. you know you're a solo singer you're not supposed to be singing chorus of course now things are different i think mm. rahman has changed that but back then i think in 2003 2004 uh, that was the kind of a trend in the industry that solo singers sing only solo and you know I that see. that kind of a thing yeah so <clears throat> i used to go for harmony recordings with sir so you know a lot of people i got a lot of comments like that also but somehow you know i i didn't uh, care about all that <laughs> i was just very excited when i went with agassin sir because i used to see him arranging like in real time you know he'll go to the studio he'll get the chords and he'll just write and i was like i used to be so fascinated and you know listening to chords and in one go and just writing out the the entire chord sheet of the song all that used to like really fascinate me you know and i'm like okay someday i want to do that you know that kind of a thing i think i always had that drive you know he was a he was a big inspiration not only musically uh, i think even as a human being you know his simplicity and his his enthusiasm you know he's so excited and you won't believe it the number of things he gets done in in a span of 24 hours in a day that like innumerable things he does you know <laughs> so i think it is just uh, inspiration a lot of inspiration uh, from him that i got and i think in my music also whatever i arrange i write i think it i owe it to him in fact my first song that namtam that i released mm-hmm. I, i had actually worked on the song as a as a one minute promo for something else mm-hmm. uh, that is way back in 2009 and that time he had conducted that i had called him to conduct it for me and we had recorded it with about uh, 25 piece choir back then <clears throat> yeah that was actually my first composition and i and i told him i said you know i i've been inspired by you so thank you <laughs> and even when i released the song you know i sent it to him i said uh, it's all because of you <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i think a lot of learning comes from there that's super interesting there's something in there that that caught my attention actually a couple of things i guess i'll start here You mentioned how people were telling you that getting into choral singing yes. um, could mess up your your solo uh career yeah. or your your Korean this more kind of Indian side of of music yeah. and I, that's really interesting because I've dealt with that dilemma for a lot of my own life in terms of my, my singing okay. because yeah. I've been doing choir my whole life I've been doing okay. Carnatic my whole life yeah it's it messed me up completely uh my my Carnatic teacher actually got a quite frustrated with me after a point because okay. I ended up singing you know Carnatic like oh and you know. okay. <laughs> but I'm just curious to no, know did you ever reach a point where you were unable to distinguish the two sounds and it kind of just got in each other's way or yeah so to be honest so like I said you know from 2005 to 2009 was the time I was actually I had my feet everywhere you know like any kind of recording uh, jingles or choral music or i was everywhere and i was also learning hindustani so i was learning hindustani i was learning carnatic i was learning western classical and i would go for all these indian film recordings where they'll ask you to sing anything and everything you know literally your voice you have to you know you have to do so many things with your voice and it did land me up in trouble 
actually 2009 or 2008 or 2009 i think i i suddenly felt a lot of hoarseness in my voice and i felt no something's not right and you know i kind of took a break from everything that's the time i stopped my classes for a while and i still remember that was actually just before my 8th grade exam i think my vocal exam <laughs> and i was struggling to sing because my voice was hoarse and uh, i actually broke down in front of agustin sir and i said no i don't think i can take the exam i'm not ready i don't want to go for the exam <laughs> you know it was that kind of a situation so yes i was on a break for about about 6 months oh wow uh, break as in i was doing very very limited things you know i didn't want to strain my voice and uh, i actually went to mr anant vaidyanathan that time uh, because i i contacted a few of my musician friends and i told them i think something's not right with my voice so they said no no don't worry in fact karthik was the one karthik i i used to perform a lot with karthik so karthik said don't worry why don't you go to him he's he's really good and i think he opened up another window of uh, the vocal anatomy and how uh, vocal technique is very important because that was one thing like i said because i was not formally trained and <clears throat> although these are things that we touch upon in western classical i was learning from agustin sir mm-hmm. but i think i was not able to take out time to work on my technique because i was doing mm-hmm. way too many things you know with recording and all that so i just decided that okay this is something i really need to work on because if i need to you know sing for a long time i need to make a you know i i have to have learned the right technique so i really invested a lot of time i think almost about a year i i researched i think i read up and watched videos and went to anansar and tried out everything i think i i most of these vocal jargons i i knew it in that year you know <laughs> that is how much i read up on all that and yes it took time but i kind of understood so it actually took me about a year to figure out and after that until now i don't think i've ever had thankfully any voice trouble and very easily i i switch styles mm-hmm. and i think it's just that that knowledge of how to produce whatever tone you need without hurting your vocal vocal apparatus i think it, it the switching becomes very easy you know without hurting your uh, vocal cord how can you any kind of style because basically if you have that awareness you will sing in a healthy technique irrespective of whatever style you're singing because a lot of things although the style is different if you there, there is like a neutral uh, point in which if you if you are if you are strong you can switch to any style from there yeah so i think that that learning gave me uh, a lot of confidence So you you were talking about how you had to spend a year to kind of relearn yeah. everything and yes, to kind yes. of relearn how to sing. Yes. Is that partly down to the fact that you didn't have any formal training until you were exactly. 15 or 16? And I and I also find I think when I was not singing so much in films like when I was like sporadically like I said I used to mostly sing in my school functions or the army functions. So it's not very demanding, you know. Uh, as in you don't have to sing for 6 7 hours you just you have a program tomorrow you practice a few days before that and you go and sing that's all about it but when it came to the recording scene you know it's like back to back and that 2005 to 2009 i was i was really busy although i was studying in college almost every day i had like two three recordings every single day <laughs> so it was very vocally very very demanding and all that to singing in different styles without knowing what you're doing Right. Uh, I think that is what got me into trouble, and I didn't realize it. 
see otherwise and sometimes you know you push yourself too much because you think that oh no no you know you know i i think i can do better than this and in that you kind of hurt your vocal cords and then that's how the hoarseness and things like that start so i realized uh, it, it took unless un, until i went to anand patinath sir i didn't i didn't know that you know it was it was my ignorance so mm. when i was just uh, singing by ear it just came to me naturally but when i had to switch styles and it went bit when it became demanding i was trying different things without knowing how to do it the right way Oh, so man. as long as i was singing the same old lata ji songs and you know kind of thing i think i was okay but when i was <laughs> trying to sing different things and you know opera one day and then hindustani and then you know carnatic and you know all that it kind of messed up with my voice because i was doing it without knowing what i was doing mm. so that's when i understood that no you know <laughs> you really need to understand the vocal anatomy and then do whatever you have to <clears throat> so I think it it took me a while to figure that out. <laughs> so when you say you you understood the vocal anatomy, did it take a maybe a few years of consciously kind of differentiating definitely. the way you used your voice? Yes, yes, definitely. Like you know, there are there are a lot of ways to do it, mm. but yes, I completely changed the way I practice. It's very difficult to study the voice because uh, in any other instrument, you can show. the instrument and you can tell right. them this is how you play if it's a guitar you can this is the body of the guitar right. you keep your you know your nail should touch here your skin should, you can show all that but another person cannot show you what is happening in his throat how does he sing the only way you can understand is to have the internal awareness of how sound travels from your from your vocal cords right from starting from your breathing how you breathe how uh, you know the air is coming out you know the vocal cords and then how the tone comes out of your voice and even when the tone comes out where you can kind of feel the vibrations different places so it's actually a very meditative process to you in fact it it takes a while to even understand the kind of vibrations that your body feels at different ranges at different pitches so it's like you know they say to understand or you to feel when you meditate no when when you focus okay focus on your you take you know your these asanas they, they ask you to focus on different parts of your body you really need to focus only then you will feel those vibrations and you can correct yourself mm-hmm. you know so, so i think a lot of it it took a good while because uh, initially you can't even understand everything just goes above your head you know because you're like okay the voice is just coming from here what is there what is the big thing you know how do you how do you send it to this particular this part of your uh, you know like usually in western classical they talk about the soft palate you know you have to raise your soft palate like, where is the soft palate how do you raise it you know it's like so yeah so it takes a while to figure out those things because nobody can really show you you just have to figure out by feeling it you know so that takes a while <laughs> oh man i i haven't related to something that anyone has said so strongly in in quite a while a uh, soft palate <laughs> the the voice must come from the diaphragm uh, all yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> Uh, man uh, yeah. nightmare <laughs> memories going back uh, yeah, anyways, yeah yeah <laughs> Another thing that might be tough in terms of choral singing, especially when you come from a background of singing, you said you know Rafi Sab songs, Lata Ji songs, is yes. getting used to the concept of harmony and singing yeah. with people that are singing with different people. things. 
I remember speaking with uh, Bejot Parker, who has a kind of similar background in terms of he grew up with classical and then he yeah. went to KM, was thrown into a cappella, and then he was just like, what am I doing? Correct. <laughs> did, did he have those kind of, I, I don't know if struggle is the right word, but those similar challenges in terms of learning how you fit in within a group of voices compared to, you know, just singing a solo no, song? I- I think that's where I, I luckily didn't have any trouble. And I think that is probably because I was used to listening to Western songs as well. Like I said, you know, in the army and functions, I was, I was used to the concept of harmony and guitars. And I, there were, there were a lot of officers in my father's unit who used to play guitars and I used to sing along. So I was not very new to the harmony world, you know, of course, there were a lot of things which were fascinating, but basic things about, you know, singing in thirds and fifths and you know, the usual triads kind of things that we talk about. Mm-hmm. I was already familiar with that. Oh. Uh, in fact, at home, I still remember there was, I don't know if you know this song, there's this Hindi song called Dil Pukari Ari 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 So there, there's one nice okay. song of Lataji and uh, uh, Rafi Saab and she kind of sings in thirds you know okay. <laughs> and a lot of Adi Berman songs like Jaane Ja, Dhunta I don't know if you're familiar with these songs so these are the songs that we usually used to sing you know and uh, there are a lot of counterpart melodies that happen while the male sings the female goes in on like so it was not uh, very new or it, it was not something that I struggled with I used to enjoy singing that and in fact at home you know whenever my, whenever my dad and I used to be free I'll tell him you sing you sing that part I'll sing this the other part you know so that was like a game for us so I think I was always fascinated about how many and different things happening at the same time you know so I think uh, I was just blown probably a zillion times more when I heard the choir because there were just way too many harmonies and so rich and, you know, and MMA back then, I think even now, it's it was it's a hundred piece choir. So like hundred voices, you know, you're standing in between hundred voices and there's like so many things happening. <laughs> I think something you said just now about singing and kind of really enjoying those like counter melodies and things like yes. that. It's something I've noticed with some of your arrangements because they're yes. very melodic yes. in the sense that they sound very horizontal Correct. and not like block chords. Yeah. Like you yeah. take a song like Agasita, for example. Yes. yes. It's it's a whole bunch of melodies just yes. like yes. expertly layered together. You've got this yeah. like almost walking yeah. bass line with this like yes. Mozart, Alberti bass kind yes. of thing. Yes. Do, do you think that background contributes to the way you arrange today? Definitely. I think there again, I, I still remember a lot of things that Agassiz used to tell me in the beginning that, you know, you don't have to look at chords like this. It's not just vertical. It has to make sense this way also. <laughs> so I think it's that balance, you know, you cannot look at chords in isolation. The, a particular chord is the, what do you call it, is the consequence of the one before and it has to lead to something else. Mm-hmm. Only then it makes sense. Right. It, it doesn't make sense in isolation. Yeah. So I think that was, I think, uh, one of the few early lessons that he gave me, you know. And I used to see the way he used to arrange also, you know. Like uh, like I said, when I used to go for recordings, quickly he used to write lines. And uh, I think because it also comes from my, uh, I think, because I'm a singer. When you're singing like a hymn or a chorale, you're singing one particular part, right? right? And that part cannot go up and down like that. You may be able to play it in a piano, 
but for a singer it 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 will sound very awkward in the voice if there is too much too much of a jump and it doesn't make any sense melodically you know it's going to sound really bad the chords may be right but it won't sound good so i think probably being in the you know choir setting and going for recordings with him i kind of kind of got the ear to pick that you know it should make sense vertically and horizontally only then the arrangement works so i think that kind of reflects in my <clears throat> in my uh, writing also speaking of arrangements uh, i think we should go into uh, one of your big arrangement projects that is the harmonized project yes uh, yes when i mentioned in the beginning that you did various things that i didn't realize was the same person a harmonized project was one of them like i yes. knew i knew the person that did it i didn't connect that person with okay. the arranger in the, in the <laughs> film industry today and it's so cool because that that group had so many of the the big names that yeah. are contributing in the yeah. industry today yeah. yourself pradeep obviously keba dadbukashad etc etc could you just tell us how did that group form and how did you kind of end up going in this a cappella direction which was very kind of yeah. new in in south india at the time yeah yeah so actually uh, pradeep uh, and uh, you know pradeep had called me to sing for his independent band called yodaka this was way back in 2008 uh and that's when we started connecting as musicians and uh, dadbuka shiva and pradeep also go along we you know they started multiple uh, independent bands together so we were performing and we used to kind of jam at their office it was called art seek then so you know that used to be our you know very frequent you know our hub you know where we used to kind of practice and come up with things so uh, that particular year uh, rose bowl uh, it was called rose bowl back right. then yeah so they called me to do a solo like a shoot you know they wanted to do something with me because i was kind of I already singing i was i used to do a lot of television programs and all that in in malayalam that time so they wanted me to they wanted to feature me and then i was a little bored of the regular stuff you know you know always doing the same kind of uh, you know light music kind of a thing so i wanted to do something different and i said i want to try something else i have a band here so i want to do something with them and that was the time actually i was like feverishly listening to a lot of a cappella myself and i was trying like i said that was the time i was i was learning theory i was in probably i think 7th 8th grade or something so anything i hear i wanted to learn the chords and any song i hear i would you know write something and i will show agassin sir you know this is what i've written so that was the stage you know <laughs> so i really wanted to do something different and i picked all like all my favorite songs like moon river uh and of course uh, a lot of english and a lot of uh, regional ilaraja and raman being one of my favorites because uh, there's so much to do in that and uh, most uh, the fascinating part is i actually didn't rework on any of the chords most of the chords if you hear they are just the same mm-hmm. it's just that i presented it slightly differently like sonically uh, i made it more uh, vocal centric and i think that kind of worked like kandukondain and all that if you ask me this absolutely it, it's exactly the same progression there's no change <laughs> but it sounds different because it's just the way um, you know we presented it in terms of uh, the voices 
Mm. Yeah, because I I was listening to a lot of acapella. I for me and being a singer, you know, I just like the texture of a lot of voices and all that. I wanted to try in this, and this was like a perfect training ground for me because whatever I used to write, I could try in this group, you know. <laughs> so yeah, it, we did two episodes. The first one was with just four of us: mm-hmm. uh, me, myself, Pradeep, Keba, and Harshita. Yeah, and then uh, we added Roshni Maria Ro Roshni, who's who's has the Elphick choir now. <laughs> yeah, she and uh, Darbuka Shiva. So it was the six of us. So yeah, it was it was a really really, and we never really expected that it will gain so much of, especially that Kandukundan received a lot of uh, attention, and it was it was really nice. <laughs> What do you think you took? Because this is a collection of some of we know now, some of like. the greatest musical minds in india including yourself and it just must have been an incredible learning experience for everyone in that band to to kind of learn from one another what did you yes. take away from each of the different members because i'm sure they must have had a lot to offer and you must have taken a lot from them yes um see because keba is a person i've known keba and i we actually one of my first bands was with keba keba was the member of the first really? band interesting had, yeah myself keba and simon ks simon simon king ah yeah yes. so we were a part of uh, a funk a, a funk rock band <laughs> yeah oh my gosh it was called root 10 so i know keba from back then and it always gave me an immense pleasure to you know Uh, just collaborate with him and uh, you know like I, i was i was new to guitar at that time mm. i didn't know how to play the guitar but i used to kind of write out chords and i used to watch him how he voices it on the guitar so i think my learning from that probably my or my my fascination to to guitar also started from keba i think <laughs> keba and then of course pradeep right. uh, you know pradeep used to play a lot of uh, bossa he he is very fond of bossa so you know all that i think so that's how that learning happened and uh, i think uh, voices was my forte but from these people i kind of learned uh, a little bit more about guitar arrangement and how you know guitars and voices how how to complement you know things like that and of course from shiva about the the rhythm part of it so i think it was a it was a great learning experience for me and that kind of opened doors for other my whatever arrangement journey of mine you know film arrangement it everything started from there because soon after that was uh, we met santosh i mean i met santosh and then one after the other pizza and things like that happened so i think this was like a perfect training ground for me <laughs> did the south american whole music side come from pradeep then you did aqua yes. de beber in yes. uh, the thing yes. as well yes yes <laughs> i was very new to that that time but oh, he okay. used to play a lot of bossa nova a lot of his his one of his favorites being uh, jao gilberto so we used to often practice uh, desafinado chegadi sadaji and mm. all those uh, quiet nights and all those songs so i think a lot of and yeah that was also one experience like you know i i used to try and write out chords of these songs <laughs> yeah and then you know these to kind of exchange like i used to try and sing and he used to play so all that was like a a lot of learning that happened in in that i think from 2008 to 2013 14 was like a lot of learning a lot of learning <laughs> Speaking of learning and with Pradeep as well probably one of the most incredible journeys you've been on is with Purva 
and with uh, yes. Arnagiri yes. Pirmale. Yes. That was uh, other world. <laughs> I mean, those set of songs are just like, I, I was looking at the score because whoever yeah. was kind enough to release it, like, thank you. So I was, I was, yes. I was studying <laughs> it a couple of years ago and it was, it was sitting in my laptop. And so I was just taking a look at it before this interview as well. And I mean, it's just a very interesting set of instruments. Time yes. signatures go all over the place. Yeah, you have all over the place. Yeah. two and a half minute intros before the vocals come in. Yes. I mean, yes. like, just like how, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, can you just tell us a little bit about how that whole thing just that came about? Yeah. Completely, that completely the credit goes to Pradeep for that, for the compositions. I came in uh, slightly later in Purva because initially Purva was uh, Sean Rolden and Pradeep were jamming on Purva. So the, those was Purva was the product of their practice sessions, literally. <laughs> and, you know, back then they used to perform as a trio, like Susha used to sing uh-huh. and uh, play the percussion and these two. And sometimes Praveen Sparsh also used to join on the percussion. So it was like a very acoustic guitar, ukulele kind of a setup. He had finished composing, I think, about eight to ten songs. And that's when he said, no, I think I hear a bigger sound. I want an orchestra in. And that's where I came in because I was already kind of working with strings and things like that. So these were songs that I kind of, uh, like, from its genesis, I had the privilege to hear it because it was through Pradeep. So I was already familiar with the songs and I was already humming those songs. So, you know, orchestral thing came very naturally to me uh, for those songs and of course with Pradeep's inputs you know he had he also gave me a lot of inputs on how he wanted the orchestral arrangement but the challenge there for me was writing so strings I was something I was familiar with writing mm-hmm. but writing for woodwind and the brass was quite challenging because that was one of the first times that I was exploring writing for brass and woodwind so it was it was quite quite tricky and I had to I was I was listening to a lot of orchestral and trying to because a lot of technique and you know you need to know how to write for those instruments right yeah so I think that was another set of learning for me and uh, uh, to talk it all it was you know I I was supposed to conduct the 16-piece orchestra <laughs> which I was so scared <laughs> because as a conductor there are just way too many things and I think I was I was I was actually not not so experienced that time and it was with a group that I'm not familiar with. So if it's your home ground that your people that you're always working with, it's it's a piece of cake. Even mm. though the music is tough, you can you you have that confidence. This was like completely new set of people, and uh, we were on an extremely tight shoestring budget because it was our own production. Huh. Yeah. yeah. So um, we got this 16 piece, and we had only three rehearsals with them. And out of the three rehearsals, I think a lot of people, they had some other commitments, you know, they were absent and effectively we had only two practices and we had to pull off these songs with like what you said, crazy time signatures and, you know, the conductor score itself goes like, you know, that that page is so huge and (laughs) when it comes to brass, you know, even if I have to tell them something, I have to transpose and tell them, you know, because (laughs) so So that was like a nightmare for me, you know. (laughs) Uh, but yeah I think that but that again opened up completely another door and I think my interest towards conducting and you know listening to the whole sound and that fascination uh, started from there definitely it was a it was a 
very big uh, learning for me you know working with those musicians and luckily for me two three other things also happened soon after that i think i went uh, i went with santosh for mupatiyar vaidinile adore recording in sydney there again i had the opportunity to listen that was the first time i heard like a like a full string section i think it was about 40 piece 40 45 piece and i was i didn't conduct but i had the opportunity of sitting in the in the room while they were playing you know so that was again like a surreal experience for me and i think that is where i think my fascination for orchestra and voices and this huge the kind of uh, a palette a sound palette that that you can create you know uh, that that kind of really fascinated me me yeah so i think that it, the indian choral ensemble or whatever i did after that i think the roots go back to these uh, incidents yeah <laughs> interesting oh man yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm so sorry i'm i'm just connecting a lot of things that you're saying to to things that are happening in my own kind of musical journey because That's- just 2 months ago for a project I'm, I'm working on i conducted a 16 piece brass and woodwind ensemble okay uh, okay in tokyo <laughs> and it was utter disaster yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's quite uh, <laughs> no breaking actually <laughs> i mean is that something you get used to over time yes 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 totally <laughs> <laughs> reassuring to hear that <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and also you you're talking about um doing the the orchestral recording in sydney is yeah. was it andhakaram that you ended up recording no, in no 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 sorry no andhakaram was uh, the budapest orchestra and that we did remotely so ah, most okay, of the okay, recordings okay, okay. most of the film recordings we used to do remotely okay uh, because right. it's like way too much of an expenditure to go there right. and you know yeah but this particular project he wanted me to come uh, you know he wanted me to go in person and you know uh, we just wanted to experience that and he thought it will it will value add if i be there for the session so we actually flew from chennai to uh, sydney and uh, we recorded the orchestra there and the studio is such a beautiful place and so many musicians you know and you're sitting right in the middle of the string section it's heavenly <laughs> and i was actually i was carrying that time i, I had my second daughter yeah so 5 months 5 months pregnant <laughs> so that is the time i went it was it was amazing <laughs> yeah that baby saw got some really good music very yes, early yeah. on <laughs> very early <laughs> yes <laughs> i'm curious to know how how different is it recording an orchestra in person compared to remote how different is, is your experience so see right now uh, we kind of i'm talking about the business side mm-hmm. of it we usually book them for number of hours right yeah so most of the time we have everything written out because it's it it doesn't work like how you call a session musician or a guitarist yeah. you know okay you come okay let's jam let's it doesn't work like that because there are so many people involved it just goes by time that that's how they work so most of the things are already written out including the dynamics expression like as much information you give them the better because the conductor gets an idea of how the piece should sound and they are such experts you know they look at the score and they know exactly what needs to be done you know they're so experienced like uh, the conductors of we, we were initially working a lot with the macedonia orchestra 
and we also worked uh, a lot with the budapest uh, orchestra so very very experienced conductors and honestly remotely also it works very very well because uh, with you know the advent in technology like back when we started there used to be only audio source for us to hear uh, but nowadays you have both video and uh, the source right. connect and the source connect is like almost as good as you sitting in the console room of the studio it's like unless there is an internet issue and you kind right. of miss on certain things so basically what i'm trying to say is remotely also it works perfectly fine but it's just that when it is like a live music like purva i don't think purva we would have been able to do remotely right because those are things uh, the kind of music is different and uh, there are some things that we couldn't really notate because of the indian uh, element in it uh, which we kind of had to i had to sing and show them certain things or some you know some little little things <laughs> like that so i think it also depends on the kind of music uh i think for film music it worked but if it's like a live thing you really need to rehearse with them you need to be there in person and of course being there in person also you know sometimes some things you hear and you want to like most of the things are written out but you want to add something you know those kind of things happen quickly when if you are there in person but very effectively it works uh, remotely also and most of the recordings happen remotely nowadays nobody really goes there too much of expenditure and things like that yeah but if you get a chance to go nothing like it <laughs> last i went to budapest i uh, in fact i went with simon king for oh, his okay. um, amazon prime series called vadandi yeah so that again was was you know we we had an entire we had a 35 piece string section i think about 11 or 12 brass and uh, four woodwinds so we recorded all of them it was an amazing like mind blowing in fact we had three sessions first was 3 hours of strings alone and then about 2 hours of the full orchestra woodwind brass every, everybody and then the last 3 hours was uh, just the string quartet so it was like one full day of uh, recordings with the budapest orchestra it was it was amazing and yes you know uh, it it does make a difference like little little things you can kind of quickly tell them and uh, i i usually sit in the because i had simon with me simon was in the console room you know to see how the sound is there and i was sitting with the conductor so i was li- literally listening to the balance the live balance there and i kind of told him certain things you know so th- those kind of little little calls i think work a little bit more when you are there in person but it works fine perfectly uh, remotely as well <laughs> when you were doing purva you were talking about how it could be difficult for the instrumentalist there in the us to understand some of the indian nuances yeah, yeah. Uh, in the melody how yes. difficult do you think it was for them to understand what you and pradeep were, were going for because you come from a completely different Correct. yeah Correct. Purva was very, very challenging. That's what I said. Like you know, three rehearsals was was not enough. We felt, you know, <laughs> because uh, time signature was quite challenging. Uh, not only the time signature, the kind of harmony, because they all, most of them, come from classical background. But uh, the kind of chord progression and the voicing that Pradeep works are not 
are very very different from the typical western classical uh, way of writing and there were a lot of melodies also that he had written which i had written uh, you know transcribed for the orchestra so all that uh, it took a while <laughs> to settle yeah and uh, but you know the beauty of the thing was i think when pradeep like especially i, I remember the song kaadi modi that has uh, a lot of uh, you know the time signature keeps changing yeah i think it's some 21 i think it's a 6 6 4 and then 5 and then uh, 3 bars of 4 4 if i remember right yeah so it's like crazy uh, like when they look at it as as a notation they were like what is this you know kind of a thing but when pradeep sang with the band they understood the structure so what i meant is the the poem is also written so beautifully when we sang it it just it just flowed very you know naturally they were also at ease you know they kind of understood how it how it fitted in the lyrics are like that you know what i meant the poem is so beautifully written that even with uh, multiple time signatures when you start singing and you internalize the, the you know the meter just just falls like that you know it's no more the math that you need to do <laughs> So yeah, a couple of songs like that. This one, and then, um, then we had uh, another. The first song was called Iravupagal. That was in five, I think. So yeah, those are time signatures. They're not very familiar. Like in Western classical, you won't find many in five and all that. So that was a bit of a this thing. But I think we were we were almost there. <laughs> but yes, those kind of songs, like I said, it, it's very difficult to work remotely. You just have to be there and. also it's a live performance you know and we recorded everything was live this there's, there's no overdubbing this nothing it's just 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 you know recorded there on the spot you know so i mean we just had to rehearse and make sure that you know we we there and i think there is a magic attached to that also if we had done it re- remotely you know you have to track the guitar separately track the it loses that the, the that live that charm is not there i feel especially for this kind of music you know he was very particular that he wanted that live recording and i think with whatever limited resources we had we kind of pulled it off <laughs> when you're doing the arrangements did you did you just feel the rhythm and was yeah. writing the time signatures more of a formality then yeah so like i said i think i was a little more lucky because i was exposed to the songs like right from the right. beginning so i was already like humming the tunes and uh, i already knew it so it was like initially like the first time you hear you'll be like okay what's happening but you know you'll you'll just and pradeep kind of composes it like like what you said you know it's no more like this he composes like this right. so it's already there when you hear it it's just there very naturally it flows but when you try to analyze it then it will be like oh my god what rhythm what you know it kind of goes on in that kind of a loop but i think for me because i was listening from the beginning i kind of internalized the songs well before i was given the task to work on it as an as an arranger so i think that made things very simple for me so yeah i was already exposed to those songs you know because i was i was hearing it all the time <laughs> is that something you carry forward into your film arrangements then like really just trying to internalize whatever the composer has always. already mm. always always so you know usually when you're given a task to arrange they ask you like how long how much time do you need so actually if i if i look at it i only need 4 hours to re- arrange a song but to mm. internalize 
it it's a it's a longer process because it takes it takes a while to internalize mm-hmm. so you know sometimes like you know i i usually like the minimum time i say at least i need at least 4 days you know because 2 days will just go in internalizing the song and then i start writing and then i need one more day to just you know make sure you know whatever corrections or whatever i need to do so it's more about i think once you internalize there are a lot of things just come to you you know otherwise it's a little more mechanical and i don't know i don't know i don't i, I cannot work like that it i just have to internalize the song so most of the songs i kind of really listen and internalize and i and i and i play it i sing i you know try different things and uh, the writing part literally takes me only 3 4 hours because i already have the ideas ideas in my head once i know what i need to do it's just a matter of you know just 3 4 hours that's all <laughs> but to get to that clarity you know what you want okay this this is the interlude i want the interlude like this you know i want some high strings here or or this is a darker section i want to start with the basses you know to get that clarity the flow of the song to get that i think internalization is very important yeah so that takes a while otherwise once that is done sonically things are sorted in your head then i think it just it's it's a lot it's just putting things down in a paper you've already you've already done it in your head you just have to write it for others to see it <laughs> when you say internalizing beyond just listening to it a million times what does internalizing mean for you that's what i said i always play the song ha huh. yeah so i will sing it and i will i i usually work with a piano or a keyboard right i'm right. i'm like still sometimes guitar but more guitar doesn't come very naturally to me but uh, piano does so i kind of work with the piano and i kind of you know try different chords or i sing the melody you know kind of what can i do kind of a thing you know i get into the exploratory zone so i just try whatever the song the basic song that has been given to me i kind of work on it so it's it's like a bit of how i would compose as well mm-hmm. so it, it's like uh, i think uh, that's why i felt like for me getting into I, i never thought i would become a composer i mean like i said i started very late i was you know singing itself started you know very late i'm not like how pradeep started like they, he was he was from a proper carnatic school right from the age of 5 you know he started singing i was not like that so i never even dreamt that i would compose but i think for me one thing led to the other and it was just eventual that i had to kind of get into composing because a lot of arranging work that i did is very very similar to what you would do in your own compositions like there is a motif you know you need to develop that so i was technically kind of exploring you know what all you can do with a kind of a motif and you know how to how to ornament it how to decorate it how you know those kind of things you you start thinking when you're arranging you know and sometimes there is a tune you need to work on the progression just a basic progression would be there you need to make it richer or you know you know add in your own ideas writing counter melodies so i think that was like a fantastic training uh, period for me you know where you know that's when i eagerly started listening to a lot of things also like you know okay listening to film scores and kind of you know understanding how it works with the visuals how they have you know how they have you know why they've chosen a particular sound for a particular scene 
how they have and then of course analyzing it you know what have they used exactly how is the color how how are they getting that color and then you look at it okay you understand okay these are the kind of uh, combinations in the orchestra that he's used you know he's probably combined woodwinds and this thing you know you kind of get into the technicality of it so i think that kind of listening i really started doing when i was i started arranging for films and i think Uh, it was just eventual that i kind of got into <laughs> you know tice and then writing for the tice that of course i because i'm a singer i was always fascinated with voices and even now i would love if there is an orchestra in india that i can work with <laughs> but unfortunately i mean you know it's like it's, it's very tough like even in even the choir scene it's it's very very tough to keep 40 people rehearsing you know because see uh, everybody has their own commitments and you know they have their whatever solo career and you know things like that and to have 40 people all the time is very very difficult so imagine if you have an orchestra also and also rehearsals uh, we are we are i'm in a place where i cannot pay people for rehearsal right now because mm-hmm. these are not like very very you know well paid shows that we do they are they are all indie shows where there is sometimes there is budget there sometimes there isn't any budget <laughs> so yeah so it it is tough you know getting a we we need definitely more i think organizations which can kind of have some kind of funding for these kind of ensembles because without funding it's it's very very difficult because right from like the basic logistics of a rehearsal space it's very difficult i cannot have 40 people in my house although there there were times when i had i think the i think the the largest i think in my house i had was about 25 people that time the the house that i lived was slightly big so we could kind of do that but after a point i felt that there was no space in the house <laughs> because the choir kept growing and i'm like okay we really need a rehearsal space we cannot rehearse in anybody's house <laughs> you know basic things like this become very challenging when the when there is an ensemble mm-hmm. and uh, the usual way in which these jam pads work is by hour you you have to make an hourly payment hourly payment you know is like just for every and we need to rehearse a, like you know ensembles rehearsals are very different from a band rehearsal you know because especially like you know there's so much of blend that you need to work on you know and that comes with a lot of lot of practice you know like if today we are hearing how budapest orchestra and all when they play like in the first sight reading itself they get the whole piece right that's because of years of training you know whereas that ensemble culture is not there so much in india people are not used to singing like this so it's like we really started from scratch you know right from talking about the tone the blend so it takes a while to get people into that culture of you know how to blend and sing how to you know listen to everything should sound like one you know you know there should be one voice you should not be distinctly hearing uh, each of the timbers so it takes a while to you know set that so we we there was a point that we were you know, we were like okay how can we conduct this weekly rehearsals you know it was becoming so that's where i felt that you know maybe if there is like some kind of a funding or something like that you know it would be really really helpful and i feel that way you know i think that is one of the reasons why we don't uh, have an orchestra to rehearse with like you know we the professionals we can't hire them because we don't have money to pay for every rehearsal because that's how they they work right now 
otherwise i mean i don't know i i mean i don't know how else to you know is that's why i said given an opportunity if i had a chance i would have loved to have dice with an orchestra you know at every rehearsal voices and orchestra rehearsing together that would be like a dream come true but maybe we'll get there some sometime maybe there'll be more uh, budding musicians available for rehearsals <laughs> yeah yeah so it is a challenge it's quite a challenge but i think we've kind of uh, managed to, it's been more than 2 years since we started the choir and every single week we meet <laughs> yeah yeah so it's it's a pleasure <laughs> you talk about combining choir and orchestra and Uh, this is actually the first time I, I'm hearing your, your kind of vision in that direction because I always knew that you know you wanted to take choir in in kind of a larger direction but the, hearing that you want to combine it with an orchestra is super interesting yes. is is that kind of where Omana Tingle comes from then is that like yes, the first step definitely. in that process yes yes Omana Tingle and I have another the next single coming up also in which I collaborated with the Budapest uh, Orchestra. so that also has a lot of heavy strings so i think most of my compositions are like very strings and vocal oriented yeah so that's where you know i really miss especially when we perform these songs you know i kind of miss those string lines and i'm like oh i wish i had an orchestra you know <laughs> yeah i mean whatever we can i'm i'm trying to do whatever in my capacity so i i was fortunate enough to be to have budapest orchestra play in the song but yeah i'm hoping someday i will get to perform this with the choir in full strength and the orchestra as well <laughs> yeah you were talking about how there's a lack of funding and logistically it's difficult to take choir yeah. to a larger level yes. do you think at the current moment there's interest both from a musician side and an audience side and it's just yeah. a question of manifesting that into something tangible yes, yes definitely because i think i i'm really overwhelmed with the kind of response we've got for whatever we've done in the choir because i think you know the simplicity of the human voice that cannot be undermined you know even a layman and that to you know the they probably don't understand the harmony but they hear a sound no which is very different from that singular melodic line you know 10 people singing harmony it just hits people very very you know straight in the heart you know so i i have really felt that whether it is uh, a musician listening to it a trained ear listening to it or it's a complete layman it definitely is very 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 fascinating like i can i can tell sometimes people don't talk but when you look at their face they it tells tells us no like you know they are definitely mind blown especially you know like the last concert that we did the indian choral ensemble was at mede and uh, here in chennai and we kind of experimented placing the voices amidst the audience and uh, you know kind of a completely unmiked uh we had all the parts scattered and that's how we performed we had two shows that day on the same day so the first show was uh, just with guitars and a bass and voices no percussion so it was a complete like an acoustic kind of a feel and we placed the voices this way and people were like they were really fascinated and uh, yes there was a sizable amount of musician crowd but there were a few completely absolute laymen who had come to 
watch and they all i think went back with an experience so i feel maybe you know how you curate a show i think there definitely people you know anybody uh, people go to a concert because they want to have that experience it's just that sometimes because of lack of time we we don't curate that well but i i just feel any show which is like very well curated definitely people will take back you know that experience and they will want to revisit uh, your concert to get that experience again you know so uh, with whatever performances we've done i've always felt that the choir has been received very very well and it just sounds very new even the known songs like you know aga satta sendumali and all those songs it just sounds very rich and very new to the ear when it comes from a choir so i think that novelty attached to it you know kind of makes it very enticing for the people and and i think why choir is not very popular is just because like what you said i think people have not had the opportunity to be exposed to it because it's it's not ensemble singing is not there in our culture we are more about carnatic mellow um, whatever what a melodic a singular kind of a, this thing you know even film songs it's always solo or it's chorus you know it, there's nothing there's no ensemble kind of a thing it's only now you know with raman's km raman's km and all that coming up people are are opening up to you know they are okay there is something like this you know string section you know people are getting educated about it so i think it's just it's just ignorance we have to give people the opportunity to experience something like this i'm absolutely sure that you know it it can reach the masses because it has that magic mm-hmm. that's what i felt yeah yeah so my vision of starting tice itself was to was to take choral music to to people you know mm-hmm. i i want i want more and more people to just be exposed to this for for a lot of reasons you know it's it's not only just the entry entertainment bit of it it is definitely very meditating and you know when you hear especially in the right acoustic setting it is it is very heavenly <laughs> you know any kind of uh, ensemble like if, if, even if it's uh, just orchestra you know in the right acoustic setting when you hear 40 violins or you know 40 string section or brass you know it is a different ex- experience altogether it is something that you can never forget mm. whether it is for a layman or for a musician it is definitely an experience that they will want to come back for so i think we just have to give the audience but but it's it's that's what i'm saying it's very difficult to pull it off because for us also you know to get show opportunities it is difficult because the logistics become so difficult you know like okay 40 people right now we are doing in chennai even next next we are thinking of a show in bangalore but we are like okay 40 people <laughs> we need to pay for their travel you know right, so right. it just becomes like it is a logistical nightmare but we just need to figure out things you know there is definitely a way to figure it out and that's where i feel some kind of support will also help because otherwise it gets very very challenging if we have to do everything on our own you know without any funding without any it is uh, it is difficult like even for my recordings all these recordings um, i i independently produced all the songs in the album so it is quite a lot of money because <laughs> you know 25 singers you know paying all of them paying the orchestra it is a huge production like omana tingal had 
what i think 50 55 people 58 people including the musicians that's like a huge number of people to pay <laughs> yeah but of course they are all my friends and we we have some kind of a, although i paid everybody uh, of course not the commercial rates but people know how we function and people have been extremely sweet and they've been supportive all of them who worked on this mm-hmm. so that that is there but some kind of a support you know like some funding or something you know to keep the ensemble going i feel that's that's very very important yeah it's really interesting because you look at some places i guess in europe northern europe scandinavia likes of netherlands they have a lot of these classical concerts yeah. with large ensembles and i think a lot yes. of that does come from i don't know if it's government funding per se but at least some form of funding from yeah. somewhere whether it's But, private or public yeah 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 i think maybe it may happen in the future because there is definitely a positive feedback of whatever they listen even like you know i have a lot of in the choir students from km and some faculty people who also are singing in the choir and uh, i think km also has lot of programs and you know for their students like a lot of ensemble listening and uh, one of the recent that friendship concert that we went to i think there were about 100 100 people i think there were uh, i'm not exactly able to remember but there were there were there were a lot of people you know some different i think ha from the northeast there was this small string ensemble that had come from northeast and of course chennai people and uh, there were a few others you know and uh, it it was it was a houseful i think that day in uh, lady andal i think so people are open to this kind of this thing it's just that we just need to make it m- more uh, readily available but there that's where you know uh, the organizing thing also comes into play you know the org- there has to be an understanding about Uh, from the organizers also in they should also understand how how challenging it is to keep an ensemble together you know and similarly i think it's like what i'm saying to make this music available to more people it is that understanding of the artists between the artists and the organizers so for me as a choir director when i'm proposing a show i also see all most of the singers who are singing in my choir are all solo singers what they would charge for a solo session i can't be charging that for a, a show because into 40 that becomes a huge amount which i'm i know the organizers can't afford so we kind of work on a like because ultimately there is some business thing also involved right so as an artist and understanding what kind of funds are available for this we also kind of try to you know work on a on a budget that is affordable by the organizer similarly organizers and other people should also understand like a lot of organizers you know they're like you know can you reduce the budget more i'm like if i reduce the budget more nobody gets anything because we are 40 40 of us you know mm-hmm. if if you are just a five piece band and you ask people to reduce it it's okay you know even if you reduce 10 15000 you still get some amount mm-hmm. this if i reduce whatever little they are getting also they won't get <laughs> so you know they have to understand and not only that like i said a simple band practice can happen in a small jam room but we have to hire huge places because we are that many number you know uh, in size so the cost goes up so where do i get the money from for that i get it from the show budget you know it's not a very simple thing to run an ensemble which i think some kind but people understand that a lot of show organizers when we tell them this you know they kind of understand 
oh okay so what i'm saying is just the lack of knowledge of how things work on on both the sides artists should know how how the showbiz runs the show business runs and similarly they should know how we function so yeah so i think uh, it will happen it will happen <laughs> yeah and i mean artistically i mean you've only released two songs from the the indian choral ensemble yeah. but i find it really fascinating the kind of direction you're taking it in because I've spent I'm sorry to to talk about myself but uh, I spent a lot of years doing doing choir where I am and uh, you yeah. know been to various competitions around the world and heard a lot of different choirs performed in a lot of different styles you know everything from Japanese folk to to Spanish stuff to aboriginal music to to your typical church music and you know so we we literally did everything but in spite of that I've never really heard a choral sound like Namtham Okay. because it's it's very distinctly yeah. indian indian yeah but it's very distinctly choral yeah. choral yes yes right and and i just found that so cool so do you kind of plan to to continue in that direction where you're yes. just kind of definitely. breaking boundaries yes definitely because like i said you know for me my love for indian music and western harmonies is probably at par it's very difficult for me to isolate the two and i think uh how much that the influence of these two styles of music have had on me you know like when i when i it's even if it's a simple melody i kind of hear a harmony behind it you know so it's very difficult for me to look at it in isolation i cannot look at a melody as a melody you know it, it, there is some other layer to it for me uh, and similar so it's it's like very interconnected and i think that's how my compositions are also like melodically they'll be very indian but it has a lot of harmony and you know that behind it it's i think it's just my my love for these two music the styles you know the harmony and the melodic element which kind of kind of and i i think I've, the blend happened Uh, quite naturally i don't know how but it just it, it just happened so i think that's why it sounds very uh, interesting because when when especially namtam you know because it's a very simple tune and very very indian and uh, you know that's why people here are able to connect to it but when they hear it they're like okay there's something else happening and uh, we usually present that as a complete a cappella in most of our shows so people are really blown by it because there's so many things happening but still that singular that melody is very strong in it yeah so i think people find it fascinating that way so yeah i mean uh, yeah <laughs> yeah because when i think of indian music in the choral context i think the first thing that comes to mind is a lot of ethan sperry's work if you've heard mm. of um i mean he's i guess most known for the kind of cliche like balelaka choral version okay <laughs> stuff okay. like that but he's done less kind of flashy stuff but with indian music as well okay. there's this sufi song by rahman called uh, zikr i think since okay. some some hindi film it's the sufi okay. track and he kind of converted it into a choral song and so okay when when i think of like indian music and choir that's kind of my reference point but you've okay. kind of added this okay. other angle to it which is it's just right. super cool just right. one one last thing i'd like to ask about the the indian choral ensemble you're taking it in this very new direction but i assume that a lot of the members don't really have a foundation in choral music per se so is there any part of your thinking that 
thinks of just doing some of the classical foundational choral pieces before moving on to these more experimental stuff or we do a mix of both so we do have uh, like uh, i think about from out of 40 people definitely 30 of them are very very strongly rooted in indian indian music like they are hardcore carnatic trained or hindustani right. so what you're saying is right maybe just about 5 to 10 people are those who are trained in western or who have experience prior experience in choir most of them for them it's a completely new thing but like what we said we kind of educate them on choral singing as well in fact last week we even conducted a workshop on choral singing yeah in fact uh, one of the uh, teachers who is a, is a recent uh, member of the choir now she is a faculty at km and she and another person from kerala uh, he's also vocal trainer they both took the course and so why we are doing all this is uh like i said it requires a kind of a shift you know and our music is very tricky because it switches between indian melody and the choral right. tone so uh when you're singing namtam when the sopranos go very very uh indian kalavati style the other parts beneath it still have that choral choral tone going on you know and uh, so and when the sopra- when the other part takes up the melody the sopranos need to switch from the indian tone to the choral tone so uh, you know technically there is a lot of switch happening which initially uh, was very difficult for them because you know if you don't do it in the right way the blend doesn't happen the chord can't be heard properly mm-hmm. so that way we had to we we did work a lot you know and thankfully like you know because i have karthik manikavasagam as one of my co directors he was also extremely experienced and uh, and it's always like you know uh, you know there, there's somebody else you're not alone in this kind of a feeling you know because otherwise it is it is very difficult to do this all by you know by by, by a single person right. so uh, i think these kind of things help us and we do a lot of like what you said we do take for our practices apart from our repertoire we take something like eric whitaker's piece you know we just try that out or uh, we try some bach you know some choral or you know something or the other we abend lead i don't know if, you, if you're into choral you might you might have heard uh, rainbowers abend lead oh yeah. <laughs> yeah so you know some songs like that we we always do like you know the first half an hour we spend a lot on warm up in which we talk about the choral tone and we kind of tell people uh, you know to work on the blend and we do some pieces like this and then we that's where we move into our repertoire so that you know people they have to get used to that you know so a good amount of time goes into all that as well so if you ask me um, yes we have worked on it and it is it is it was a struggle to uh, you know do that but i think we've come a long way from how how we sounded in the beginning and to where we are right now yeah it's a, it's been a you know a, a very rewarding journey i think <laughs> i think that final phase there a, w- a very rewarding journey is probably the yes. best way to to summarize um th- this whole conversation so far and this whole kind of walk through your whole life it's been yes. incredibly fascinating to learn about in everything that you've learned in the past and all of your experiences so yeah it's been absolutely incredible to to go through your past and cover some of your present work and now kind of looking towards the the future uh you've now become a composer as well long overdue <laughs> if i may say so <laughs> 
but <laughs> just curious to know uh where do you go from here what are some some projects that you're working on yeah just what can people expect what can the fans like myself expect from you and and the Indian okay. Crawl Ensemble I think it's going to be a lot of uh, more original compositions for me definitely uh like i want um, although we do get a lot of uh, requests on covering film co- like popular songs as well but uh i i am looking at you know um, original uh, choral music new age music like i said because of the indian and western influence that kind of a blend that kind of a new age choral music is what i want to create you know and that's my vision and i want like i said i want the choir the choral music to reach the masses you know i want them to experience the magic of listening to just voices you know so i think that's that is definitely going to be there you know i want to write more original compositions somehow with this production work and things like that i have not been able to sit down to write uh, the original stuff but i think the next year is is definitely going to be dedicated to coming up with more uh, original choral songs and also like i said i want to somehow somehow i don't know how but uh, get some orchestra or something you know get maybe even to start with maybe a small just a string ensemble maybe just an 8 to 10 piece or something like that i want to make it a part of our performances because all our pieces have have a lot of scope for uh strings and orchestra so to at least to begin with you know i want a small string section or something with which we can perform our songs so that's how i'm i'm i think i'm looking at more of live live repertoire for the choir yeah and also i think with the uh, nmacc at bombay and those kind of uh, places i think there's definitely uh, ambani's place nita mukesh ambani's oh, okay, place okay okay yeah. okay so i think there's definitely a lot of scope for uh, chamber ensemble kind of performances right. yeah so i think i really want to you know delve into that that yeah. sounds super exciting <laughs> just hearing yes. about it um so yes. super <laughs> excited to see you slowly kind of put that into action as you have done already yeah. uh, to a large extent and yeah. i like to end these podcasts with one final question uh, yes. i ask the same pers- uh, same question to every guest and i'm especially interested to hear your answer what's on your playlist what's on my playlist huh? i think most often i think it's rachmaninoff i think the last oh. i heard was yeah uh, and i i like listening to string quartets so i usually have uh, i have a lot of orchestral uh, music and of course like i said i always go back to lata ji <laughs> but usually yeah i think uh, in my car on my spotify it, there will be a lot of string quartets and orchestra uh, yeah <laughs> on my playlist yes <laughs> rachmaninoff in the car that's a first yes <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah that that kind of does it for this episode you've given us so much of your time so i had so much fun i hope uh you had yes. a, a little bit of fun as well and yes definitely it was really nice talking to you and you being from the choral background i think uh i didn't get any blank expression you understood whatever i said so that was really nice 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's great to find people who, who relate on the choral front yeah. as well and yes. uh, brought back a lot of memories for me as yes. well. So yes. thank you mm -hmm. so much. Uh, thank you to mm -hmm. all the listeners for tuning in. Uh, I don't need to tell you to check out all of Kalyani's uh, music, but in case I do need to tell you to, uh, please mm -hmm. do so ASAP. She's got everything from all of her playback repertoire from like 20 years ago uh, up until the stuff with uh, the Indian Choral Ensemble. So there's plenty of stuff for the listeners to, to dig into. So uh, please go and do that. And uh, thank you so much once again, uh, Kalyani, for your time. Thank you. Well, that was Kalyani Nair on our 19th episode of the Indo Answers podcast. And thank you to everyone that has tuned in. You can find us at the Indo Answers, spelled T-H-E-I-N-D-O-E-N-C-E-R-S on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Or you can use the links in the description. Likewise, you can find our homepage at theindoencers.wordpress.com or through the link in the description. Make sure to subscribe to the Indoencers podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you once again, and we'll see you next time.